Okay, so uh, we're going to do a couple things. I need, I'm going to have some of you help me with reading, and then I'm going to have, uh, you guys get to stay up. In fact, you guys can, you guys can all sit is, is the cool part, all right? Some of you are going to help me with reading, and then others of you are going to then come back up and help me with other things. So this, this may work. It may not work. We'll see what happens. That's the joy. All right, so, all right, I've got little strips of paper that have the words of God on them. This will be fun. Uh, Katesy, I'm going to have you read number one, okay? But not yet. So take that. All right. Uh, Moses, I'm going to give you number two. All right. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, Brody, number three. Okay. Here, Jack. Yeah, I'm going to give you the long one. He says dyslexics love to read. They do. They do. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. Who do we got? Poppy, can you do one for me? Awesome sauce. Um, Anna, you could be number six. Okay. Shin, if you get to be here. Shin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pass it on to Shin. All right. And then Lizzie, you get to uh, pull the Hebrews. Okay. So what we're going to do first is we're going to, we're just going to, we're going to read all eight of these. And then I'm going to ask you guys what you think they mean. All right? You get to have a guess. And just pick the obvious answer, and you go for it. So, Katie, why don't you come on, stand up next to me? All right? Ugh. Ah, man. Okay. All right. So, here we go. Why don't you read it for me? Say the, say the name of it, and then read the words. Romans eight nineteen, For the pending expedition of creating eagerly awaits the unveiling the sons of God. Those are some tricky words, weren't they? What do you think it means? Just take a guess. You get to read it a couple more times. What do you think? <laughs> you can say, I have no idea, Dad. I have no idea. <laughs> that, was, that was the right answer. Cool. All right, who's got number two? Moses is number two. Moses, come on up. All right, go for it. Let's read this. Ready? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, what, what does it mean? This is pretty straightforward, but, but go for it. What does it mean, Moses? <laughs> Panic. I know it. I just... just say what it means. Don't, don't try to be funny. Just say what it means. <laughs> God created the earth. Oh, that was right. Oh, great. Brilliant, brilliant. Brody's got number three. Thank you, Brody. All right, here we go. Ready? Numero tres. Genesis 1.31. God saw that all he made, and behold, it was very good. Pretty straightforward also. What does it mean? That what he created was good. <laughs> yes, yes. Well done, well done. Okay. Who's number four? Oh, Jack's number four. Brilliant. Jack, Jack has more sentences because I like to challenge him. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, Romans 1, uh, 21 to 23. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image and corruptible form of man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. What's it about? What's going on? <laughs> I want to say fallen angels, but... You want to say fallen angels? Because, you know, why not? <laughs> but also it could be, you know, Adam and Eve, or it could be uh, Pharisees. But I don't really know. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's a good beginning. All right. Number five. So, Poppy, come on, Poppy. Awesome. Here, I'll hold the mic for you. Can you read it for me? 
Exodus, when, when, then I will take you for my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Oh, that's well done. What do you think it means? It's a good answer too. The shrug, the shrug is excellent. Okay, brilliant. Number six. All right, Anna. Ready? It's exciting, yes, to read the Bible. All right, go for it. Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. All right, what's it about? We are God's people, and he is with us. Okay, all right, excellent, excellent. All right, number seven, Brother Shin. What? Yeah, go for it, go for it. All right, cool. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. <laughs> What's it about, mate? Um, Satan's is stealing and killing and destroying, and Jesus is bringing good life. That's it. That's it. Good life. <laughs> All right. Lizzie, Hello. the last long passage. Here we go. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Awesome. Okay, what's it about? Um, so it's about the fact that Jesus has taken away our sin, therefore we can run the, um, we can kind of do the thing that he's asked us to do with confidence, and it's going to be a good time. Okay, all right. Brilliant. Very cool. Okay, so you guys all stay, please, because I'm going to ask you some questions later, and then you all get to read it again when it comes time for your verse again. So that was practice run and just a brief beginning, all right? But Kate's gets to come up again first, all right? Kate's one more time, all right? Because your verse is actually the main verse for this thing, all right? So let's read it one more time. No, you can't read it upside down. Okay. Romans eight nineteen for the panting expedition of creating... <laughs> that's right. No, you're good. That's good. And that's the word expectation. Expectation. Okay. I'm really That's great. That's great. Okay. All right. Here, let's do it. You stand. No, 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 no. All right. Nice try. Let's tell you. Let's read it. Let's read it together this time. Ready? Okay, ready? Romans, Romans 8, 8, 19. For, for the, the panting, panting expectation, expectation of creation, creation eagerly, eagerly awaits the unveiling of the sons, sons of God. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Go ahead and have a seat. In fact, let's all read that together, but we'll read from this time. Ready? Here we go. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Okay. So um, the, we're choosing this verse as the kind of the key verse to hang everything on uh, because we want to talk about what the world has been waiting for and what's the world eagerly expecting. 
And we're going to tell the big story of what God has done in the world, the entire story, in about 15 minutes, I hope. Okay? To cover all of this. And this is the verse we're going to hang it all on. All right? Brilliant. So, Moses, let's go to the very beginning. Come on up. And No, you folded your words. Unfold them quick. Okay. Brilliant. Okay, read it for me again. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created... Okay, stop there. Okay? In the beginning, God. That's the beginning of this thing. And that's the very beginning of all the stuff. Before there was a world, there was God. That's fine. Why don't you sit down for a second? Before there was a world, there was God. And now we know uh, that God was hanging out Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it seems like they were just having a great time. Like the Father was chilling with the Son, and the Son was chilling with the Spirit, and the Spirit was chilling with the Father, and the Spirit was chilling with the Son, and they were having like a massive hangout, and it was awesome. And I think that they had, um, we get to ask God, what was he doing? So, all right, what was God doing, Moses, before there was a world? <sighs> Thinking about how to shape the world, that's good. What else do you think God was doing before there was a world? Peanut gallery? Finn, what was God doing? That's fine. That's fine. Maybe that's what God was doing. He was, he was wrestling. I'll just take that. All right. Other guesses? Jack? He's being. Yeah. He soon does something. There's time. Pure act. Pure being. Oh, man. Man, that's out of my pay grade. Okay. Probably, probably the, the textbook answer is that he's enjoying his own company. That's what he's doing. He's enjoying his own company. Now, I have on pretty good authority that at some point, at some point, God said something to himself, and this is what the conversation looked like, right? It went, you know what? This is pretty good. In fact, it's fantastic. And you know what would be better than this? More of this. More that people get to enjoy this, and so I've got an idea. We've got an idea. I've got the idea with you and me and these three of us. We've got this idea. Let's make a world that we can enjoy and so that they can enjoy us, and it's going to be awesome. This is a good authority. I think this is what happened. And so they wanted more. You think about more. There's some interesting stuff. You can have enough of a lot of things. Like you can have enough pizza, right? It's hard. And you can have enough chocolate, and I'm told this is the case, but I've never found it out. You can apparently have enough whiskey. Okay. But there's one thing you can never have enough of, and it's love. You can never have enough of it. You can always have more. Love can increase to infinity, and God is love, and so God's love. He made a world so that his love could increase forever. So that was the beginning. Moses, part to your verse. Come on up. Now you get to read the whole thing. Unroll it. <laughs> Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's awesome. All right, sit down again. He created the heavens and the earth. He did stuff, right? And so he begins by creating light and darkness, and then he fills the light and darkness with potencies. He fills them with the sun, moon, and stars that tell us about time. And then he creates vertical space, ups and downs, and he fills the ups with birds and the lowers with fish. And then he creates horizontal space, and he fills that with other creatures like Cows and unicorns and hedgehogs and people, right? Right? Well, I guess he created Scotland's national animal on that day. Anyway. And when God was done creating, he looked at all the stuff he'd made, and he said, number three. Who's got number three? Brody? Awesome, Brody. 
Thank you. Genesis 1.31. God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. Brilliant. What were the last two words again? Very good. Was it sort of good? Very. Was it good-ish? Very. Very. What do you think very means? A lot. Yeah, a lot good. That's good. <laughs> it's very good. Now, I think there's something interesting here, and I get to ask you guys another question. He made the world, and he made it good, but he didn't make it perfect. Good, but not perfect. What do you think the difference is between good and perfect? Go for it. Ooh, perfect is perfect, and good is half okay and half perfect. I think you might be a theologian. Um, okay. Yes. Do you have an idea, Jordan? No. No. That's fine. That's fine. I'm sorry. Okay. Any other ideas? What's the difference between good and perfect? Anybody else? Yeah. Any, not Jack. <laughs> What's the difference between good and perfect, Lizzie? Do you have an idea? Huh? Perfect is without blemish. Positive with aspects of negative. So part good, part perfect. I think the best answer was poppies. I mean, no, let's just know, like, it was so good. Well done. Well, you know what? Some interesting stuff begins to happen. And in the very next passage um, of, this pa of the Bible, Adam begins to learn the difference between good and perfect. And I think this is part of what it's all about. So if you guys remember, God causes all the animals to walk in front of Adam, and he gives them names. But the reason he makes the animals go in front of him is so that he can find, like, a partner. He's looking for some kind of helper from the animals. And so um, you have to imagine that Adam is watching all this, and then he starts to notice something. Like he sees Mr. Elephant and Mrs. Elephant, and he says, that's interesting, there's two of them. He sees Mr. Camel and Mrs. Camel, and he says, well, now that's strange. He sees Mr. Aardvark and Mrs. Aardvark. He says, Mrs. Hedgehog, Mrs. Hedgehog and Mr. Hedgehog. He says, Mr. Hummingbird and Mrs. Hummingbird. He says, everything has a pair except me. Something's not quite right here. And then it says in Genesis that no suitable helper could be found for him. You have to think that at one moment, there was a first meeting between humans and dog. <laughs> they got so excited. And he's like, maybe this is it, right? And, and it wasn't, because dog had Mrs. Dog. And it was, wasn't the right helper. And so then it says that God put Adam to sleep and he created Eve. You ever wondered why God put Adam to sleep? Maybe it's because he didn't want his input. <laughs> so he wakes up and he says, this is it. This is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is the thing. And you know what? It's still good. In fact, it's very good, but it's not perfect. There's still something missing. Adam had a garden, it was fantastic, but it wasn't perfect. And Adam had um, work, and it was great, but it wasn't perfect. And Adam had a relationship, and it was great, but it wasn't perfect. There was still going to be something missing. All right, pop quiz. What was the missing something? Go for it. He found, he's got Eve. 
He's missing something in addition to Eve. What do you think? Okay, think it through. Missing God, yeah. Good, not perfect. Something was missing. Well, I think the missing thing is the original plan for creation. No matter how good the creation was going to be, it wasn't going to be perfect if it wasn't related to God the way it was supposed to be. Kate, once again, your verse. Go for it. You can read it from there. Romans 8, 19. For the panting expedition of creation. Expectation. Ah. <laughs> expectation of creation eagerly awaits the unveiling of the sons of God. So creation is just this eager expectation. It's burning. It's got this great desire. It's, <sighs> it's longing for what it's made for. There's an eager expectation. Well, something went wrong. In fact, there were two problems. The first was that God was a spirit. He was infinitely different than the world. He didn't have a body. You couldn't walk anywhere to find him. Or you couldn't look through a telescope powerful enough to see him. He was otherworldly. How are we going to become perfect if we couldn't reach God who is going to make us perfect? This is the first problem we have. The second problem is that something went terribly wrong with God's creation. The truth is we're not entirely sure how it went wrong, but we know that something, uh, we're not quite sure how it was going to fit into God's plan, but we know that Adam and Eve goofed. Jack, one more time, you get to read your Romans passage. Ready? Uh, <laughs> and then Jack goofed. Amen. <laughs> For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and the birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Brilliant stuff. Um, the, apparently, in the book of Genesis, you also get a recipe for creating humans, and it's dirt plus the breath of God. Like, that's what you are. If you want to make a human, you get some dirt and you breathe on it, but you have to have God breath to make it work, okay? And so what that means is that humans are these kind of like goofy amphibians, right? We're part material, part spiritual. And we're supposed to have this interesting relationship between this stuff, but it looks like Adam and Eve goofed up that relationship. And so Eve, when she listens to the serpent, and Adam, when he listens to Eve, puts the material in priority over the spiritual, and so now the dirt rules the breath of God rather than the breath of God ruling the dirt. And that's the beginning of everything going wonky with the creation. And that appears to be what Paul has in mind when he writes the stuff he writes there. We listen to creation rather than listening to the creator, and the rest of history has been a real goof up on our part. We've made a real mess of this business. So time begins to pass in the background, and God's plan is still there. He plans to extend his love to the world. It's what he always had in mind. And he wants us to enjoy him, and he wants to enjoy us. But as God's plan begins to be unrevealed, unre so does sin increase. And so we got to start to get the plan. He calls a guy named Abraham. He says, Abraham, leave your home. Go over here. And Abraham does. And Abraham's kids, to escape a famine, go down to Egypt. And then while they're in Egypt, they become a big nation, and then they get enslaved. And then God calls, sends a guy named Moses to come and rescue them, and he brings them out. And one of the things he gives them, it wasn't you, but it was, you're named after him. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And he gives them a code of conduct, a law. All right, who had Exodus 6-7? Who was number five? Is you, Poppy, come on up again and read that for me. Theologian in training. Cool. Here, you can turn and you read it again. Um, Exodus 6-7. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God, and, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the 
Origins of the Egyptians. That's great. You can have a seat. William, brilliantly done. Um, God gives them a law, of which Exodus is a major part, and the law is going to teach them how to be God's people. He's going to teach them how to become part of His plan. And all the while, things keep happening. They come out of, they come out of Egypt. They, they come to a place called Palestine. And from Palestine, the prophets continue to speak God's plan. Who has Ezekiel? Number six. Come on, Anna. You're the next contestant. Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And so you see the promise is still in place. The prophets are speaking that God wants to be with us. This was the big plan all along, and he wants you to be with him. There's joy involved in what God has in mind. And once again, we have Romans 8.19. Let's all let's put it up again, and let's all read it together, because we're just going to have this hammered into our hearts. Ready? One, two, three. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. What's the world waiting for? What's it been waiting for since the very beginning? It's been waiting for this fulfillment of relationship with God, waiting to see Him, waiting to know Him, waiting to be known. <laughs> if it weren't expensive, I would drop the mic. But I have, I have respect for the property of the Kingdom Vineyard, so I won't do that. Well, the video we watched this morning was the fulfillment, or the partial fulfillment of this. Mary, and the angel Gabriel, and Joseph, and the baby Jesus. And with Jesus coming, God, it looks like, was going to kill two birds with one stone. He was going to fulfill the big plan, to share the love. And he was going to deal with the second plan, which was to um, the inconvenient problem of our sin. And that's why Jesus was born. So uh, John 10.10, 10, come on, Shin. Right? So Jesus is born, and we get a picture of his mission once again. Go ahead and do it for us again. Oh. Same style. Same style. Oh, okay. All right. The, <laughs> the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Man, you can have a seat. Yeah. But when we have a play... Next time we do a video, you're playing Jesus, man. Yeah, yeah, you're on. All right, so, so why, uh, once again, why have we covered this big story? How does this all come together? Um, this, is the, this is the beginning of Advent for us, the, the season in preparation for Christmas. And it's a time for us to remember, as we say, to remember the reason for the season. And the reason is the incarnation, that God became flesh. He took on a body, he took on, he became, he joined us in our humanity, he became one of us. Uh, one of our, uh, Lisa and I have a friend who was sitting in church with his daughter one day. I think they were in a balcony, right? And she was three or four at the time. Thank you, Lisa. Do you want to tell the story? Okay, fine. She was three or four at the time, and the minister was talking about what was going on, and he said, the minister said, God is like us. And she, three-year-old, turned to her dad and said, Dad... God is not like us. <laughs> and the minister went on and he said, God is a human being. And she turned and said, and he is definitely not a bean. <laughs> it's true that God is not a bean, but he has become a human being. 
in the person of Jesus. He took on flesh, and something changed. God, who is infinite, perfect, eternal, and otherworldly, totally separate, became finite, limited, temporal, and accessible. That's what happened in the incarnation. Something has changed in the universe. And so why did God become human? I think there's two reasons. One, this was the plan all along. God always meant to become part of his creation. The incarnation was always part of the story. There was no other way for us to know him, no other way to share the love. Um, when C.S. Lewis was becoming a Christian, he was thinking his way to Christian faith, he was going through some stuff, um, he reasoned, before he was a Christian, he reasoned that there's no more way for me to know God than there is for Hamlet to know Shakespeare. How can Hamlet know Shakespeare, right? He's in the play, he's in Denmark, he's got his own concerns, and there's no possible way for him to get out of the play to know God. And later, when C.S. Lewis started to actually become a Christian, he realized that his analogy was correct, but he didn't press it far enough. Because there's no way for Hamlet, the character, to get out of the play to know Shakespeare, the author. But Shakespeare, the author, could write himself into the play. And this is what we have in the incarnation. And the image is kind of funny, right? Hamlet, brooding, moody, dark. He's in Denmark, man, my dad's dead. Right? I think my uncle did it. Right? It's just moody Hamlet. He walks around a corner, and there's some, like, 16th century guy with a frilly collar, fat, balding head, long hair, and he's like, hello, I'm Shakespeare. <laughs> he's going to be like, who are you, right? It'd be difficult to imagine what was going on. It'd be, it'd be as awkward to imagine Hamlet meeting Shakespeare as it is for us to imagine meeting the God of the universe, and yet that's kind of what it's like. He wrote himself into our story so that we could know him, and that's what's happened in the incarnation. There was no way for us to know God, so God had to make a way for us to know him, and he did that by becoming part of it. He took on a body and made a way for his good world to become perfect. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Abundant life is the mission of Jesus. That's the first reason. Second reason, and we're almost done. Because it, and this is the old theological answer. Because humans had created the problem, only a human could fix the problem. And since we're so messed up, only a perfect human could fix it, and only God could make that happen. You know, I think that dealing with sin was a bonus to the original plan. I think it's for a lot of reasons, but I think, first of all, that God didn't have an oops moment when Adam and Eve screwed up. He didn't watch the fall of Adam and Eve and then say, ah, you know what? Plan B, I'll become part of my creation. I think the incarnation was plan A, and as a bonus, we get to deal with sin in the process. And I think this is important for a lot of reasons. This is really important, first of all, because there's going to be a time when there's no more sin. Suffering, evil, death, decay, it's all going to be gone. And Jesus will still have a body at that point. That was the plan all along. And it's important because um, it's because of this, because that was the plan all along, that we've got to get rid of these things in our lives that are sin. We've got more important things to do, like loving God and other people. And that brings us to Hebrews. So Lizzie, one more time, is going to read this for us. Here you go. Hebrews 12, 1-2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's good. All right. You get to answer a few questions. Uh, yeah, you thought you could sit. You're wrong. Okay. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to be doing? Running with endurance the race that is set before us. Run. 
What gets in the way of running? Sin. What are you supposed to do with the sin? Give it to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say that here. <laughs> it entangles us. We can't do it. What do you do with it? Just here, it's the second line. It says, it says. <laughs> Lay it aside. Yeah, get rid of it. Yeah. That's it. Good, good. Yeah, go ahead. You sit now. now. <laughs> Give it to Jesus this is a great Sunday school answer. But um, that was not a jab. Hey, on, it's true. We do give things to Jesus. But, but um, if Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 is right, um, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to put sin in its place so we can do what we're made for. And we're made to know and love God. And sin is just the thing that gets in the way of that. I fear that for a lot of people, um, your sin is the point of access for your relationship with God. That means that you treat God more like a parole officer than a father. And when we put sin first, that's the kind of relationship we have with him. Sin's not first. Sin is temporary. The love of God is eternal. And that's what the incarnation came to teach us and to show us, to get things back in the right priority so that we can run the race marked out for us, not be entangled by this absurdity. And it is absurd. It's stupid. It's silly. It's foolish. It's childish. So this is the big story. Eternity with God is going to be us enjoying Him and Him enjoying us in perfect relationship with love. The world God made is good, and we are meant to be good. And good as we are and good as we can be, we'll never be perfect on our own. On top of that, we've made a mess of things through sin, and we need help. And this is the biggest story of all, and Christmas is the time when we celebrate the fact that Christ is the fulfillment of creation, the eager expectation is fulfilled in Him, and that Christ brings about the restoration of creation, the frustration of creation has been removed. And if you ask me, I think that's some pretty good news. So we're going to do two things briefly. First... We're going to pray for the, for the kids and the childlike who are up here with us. And then we're going to have some time for ministry, all right? So uh, let's, let's pray for these guys. And if you're willing, would you extend a hand toward the kids? And if there are kids next to you, you can extend your hand towards those kids as well, all right? Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the young who are with us. And I thank you that you love them and that you created them and that you've known them from birth, and you know where they're going. And I pray that we, who are their stewards and guides and models, will be lenses to show your love. Purify us, Lord Jesus, so that they know your love better, and so that they can be lovers of one another, and they can pass your love on um, as we wait for you. I pray for that burden of responsibility to rest upon us who are mature, and I pray for joy to rest in those who are growing. Amen.